Coming to you from Beaumont, this is your house call. The COVID-19 tidal wave that washed over us in March and April has had a myriad of consequences. One of the more frightening consequences among the general public has been the delay in seeking much-needed health care, such as care for chronic medical conditions like heart disease or cancer or chronic pain and so on. By virtue of that, the COVID pandemic has also delayed important surgeries and other necessary procedures. Now, as we emerge stronger and wiser in our understanding of COVID and what it is, we have to redirect our focus to providing safe care to those who are most in need, including those patients who require surgical interventions. Hello and welcome to the Beaumont House Call Podcast. I'm Dr. Nick Gilpin, and my goal is to help you and your family live a smarter, healthier life. Today's conversation is an update on COVID-19. Specifically, we're going to talk about how we're providing safe care around scheduled surgeries and other procedures. Our guest on the podcast today is Dr. Jeff Fishgrund. Dr. Fishgrund is an orthopedic spine surgeon, and he is chairman of orthopedic surgery at Beaumont and Royal Oak. And he's also the chief of clinical services for the Beaumont Health System. Jeff and I have been brothers in arms during the COVID pandemic. We've been working together with many other healthcare leaders to implement the policies and procedures around providing safe care for our healthcare providers, our patients, and our visitors. Lots to discuss today. Jeff, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Nick. It's good to be with you in a much more relaxed setting than what we've seen in the past two months. Oh, man, you said it. This has been wild stuff. So with that in mind, you know, let's talk a little bit about how we got here. So, you know, in the early days of this pandemic, when things were just escalating, our, I think it's fair to say our bandwidth was completely consumed with all COVID. It was all COVID all the time. Yeah. And you think about it, we all had lives outside of the COVID area. Mm -hmm. We all had patients, thousands of patients that had a true need for medical care. And I, I don't want to say we ignored them, but we had such a tremendous need in the community to take care of the really sick patients that we had to hold off care for the patients that needed non-COVID we issues. Did. We did. We, I mean, you said it. I, I think it was, and I don't think looking back, it was inappropriate. I, I think we had to commit our bandwidth to caring for COVID. I mean, it was, at one time, it was nearly 100% of our capacity was dedicated to COVID. And I think the interesting thing, and I'm not surprised, is I remember when we had to make the phone calls to patients that mm -hmm. were waiting for surgeries for weeks, if not months, and we told them the situation. Nobody argued. Right. Uh, everybody understood what was happening. We had priorities. And it doesn't mean people aren't in pain and we're ignoring them, but we just we just couldn't handle it at the time. Yeah. No, you're right. I, I had that experience with patients too. You know, you would tell people, you know, we're going to cancel your appointment. We're going to push you off. Oh yeah, sure. Pff, no problem. Yeah. I'll see you in a couple of months. Yeah. <laughs> well, a couple of months have passed. <laughs> exactly. So I think that's a perfect segue to to where we are now. So we're, we're starting to, I'm very cautious about saying we're emerging from this, but I, I think it's not a bad word to say. Just, I want to be careful because we don't know exactly what the future holds, but Suffice to say, we're in much better footing now than we were two months ago. We, we have the bandwidth now, and we recognize that a lot of these patients that have delayed or, 
or postponed their procedures, they may not have been essential or or necessary procedures two months ago. They may be more essential today than they were. Yeah, and I think a good way to look at it is, you know, we are still following the governmental orders, uh, the executive orders. Mm-hmm. Uh, but two months ago, a patient with leg pain probably said, you know what, I could wait this out. Yeah. But as you go on two months longer, the leg pain gets worse. Maybe there's a little bit more weakness or numbness. They can't walk as well. They need a stronger pain medications. This surgery is becoming more essential uh, due to the time sensitivity. Right. And now that we have the resources to take care of them, I think these are the people that really need our help. I couldn't agree more. And, and so I guess let's talk a little bit about those patients. So now you're that patient. You've been sitting home. Your knee's been bothering you for the last two months. You recognize that it wasn't so bad two months ago, but now, gosh, I can't hardly walk. My pain is terrible. I can't sleep. What should that person do? Well, I think the first thing they should do is call their doctor. I would be the first to admit that sometimes it's harder to get a hold of the office now. Uh, staffs are a little bit limited. Uh, but once you get through and tell them what the problem is, the doctors, the surgeons are more than ready to get back into the operating room. And now that we have space and staff for the operating rooms, uh, these patients are going to be taken care of. So call your doctor first. Makes sense. I think one thing that's been interesting about this is that we don't really have a cookbook or a recipe that says these surgeries are essential, these surgeries are not essential. It's really a conversation, right? Yeah. And I I think the conversation goes both ways. Uh, We really have to listen to our patients. Mm -hmm. um, And the the patients know when they're ready. And if they say, I just can't take this anymore, uh, that is going to satisfy all our rules and regulations. And we're we're ready to help. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. I think the next thing people want to know is... Walk me through what happens. So I, I'm sitting at home. I'm listening to this podcast. I've been putting off that surgery. I'm going to call my doctor. Take me through, you know, from start to finish, exactly what this process looks like. Well, the, the first thing you're going to notice that even the trip to the doctor's office is going to be a lot different than it was before. Yeah. Uh, the waiting rooms are essentially empty. Um, some people wait in their cars until they can come in. Uh, but there's probably very little wait for the doctors now. We've spaced our appointments out yeah. um, so that the number of people we see is less than half of what it used to. Mm-hmm. So there is some benefit here. You're not waiting for the doctor as long. <laughs> right. um, so there's no full waiting rooms. Um, there's also much less people in the office. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, we have less staff uh, as a consequence of just having less patients to see. Yeah. Everybody's wearing a mask. Yeah, And you can see every piece of equipment being wiped down. Anything that is touched is wiped down in between every patient. So it's just a much higher level of discipline to keep the patient rooms, the exam rooms, the x-rays room clean. So that's the first thing you're going to see, even outside of the hospital. You're going to see that in the doctor's office. I want to unpack that a little bit because you mentioned a lot of really important things. You talked about the the universal masking, so this idea of source control. So if I, if perhaps I am one of these asymptomatic shedders of the virus, unknowingly shedding it, the mask is going to provide some protection from the people around me. If I'm capable of spreading it, that mask will stop that. So that's one of the one of the safeguards that we have in place. You talked about um, some of the environmental controls, taking chairs out of the waiting room, allowing for social distancing to take place. I think that's important. You talked about the environmental cleaning. That's important. What about screening? We're screening patients, correct? Right. So the screening takes place at several areas, and this is still outside of the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's called a couple of days before to make sure they're not having a temperature, make sure they're not having a cough, all the usual questions. But even 
as they enter our office and certainly as they enter the hospital, mm-hmm. they're asked the questions again. Um, if they don't have a mask, we'll provide one. Yep. So I, I think that we have been really the most diligent we can be at every step of the process that people are healthy before they walk into our doors. Yeah. I've seen it with my own eyes. I think it's it's really impressive to see all of the steps that we've put into place to to be safe, not just for our patients, which obviously we care a lot about, but also for our healthcare workers, for our staff. Oh, I mean, the, you think about it, the staff at this point is critical. Yeah. I mean, we can't, you remember what happened a month or two months ago uh, when we had a lot of staff go out. Yeah, um, we do. We, we can't afford to have staff go out. We have a community in need now. We need to start stepping up to bring more patients back to the office into the hospital. I agree. So now here we are where, you know, my, this patient has come in, they've been screened, they've gone through the waiting room, they've talked with the doctor. Now it's time to schedule that procedure. So talk me through the next steps in the dance here. Yeah. So it's interesting you should say that because I just came from my clinic, which is only the second time I've been there in two months. Hmm. And it's good to be back to my day job. Uh, I am a spine surgeon at heart uh, and I love doing it. And I actually had a patient this morning that I scheduled from surgery from Midland. Um, that drove down from Midland, been waiting a couple of weeks to see me, mm-hmm. asked those exact questions. And I think those are the questions that have to be asked. Yeah. Because if I was a patient, I want to be sure where I'm going is as safe as possible. So he's already been through our screening process to get in the office. Um, I told him what happens is as we schedule your surgery, expect the same thing with probably even more rigor uh, due to the number of steps. Um, you'll be screened several days before the surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you enter the hospital, you'll have an entrance just for the surgical procedure. Yep. Uh, you'll be asked all the questions again. Um, unfortunately, you're not going to be allowed to have many visitors, if any visitors with you. Right. Because uh, we have to keep the number of people to a minimum in the hospital. Well, I think that that's a good point to pause on because, um, you know, the, the idea of visitors is – something that we as Beaumont and other healthcare systems have put into place as a, as a safeguard because the fewer people in our facility means the potential for fewer exposures or transmission. But we're also, again, you talked about the governor's executive order. We have to be mindful of that. We are operating under a governor's executive order to really limit the amount of visitors in our facilities. Yeah, and I think people understand that. Yeah. Um, I mean, they see it. They have to wait in line to get into Costco. Yeah. Um, they're not going to be upset when they have fewer people in the hospital. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, and I think really then the next step is really what hits home is that if you're going to have surgery at a Beaumont hospital, you're going to be in an area where only surgery is done on healthy patients. Right. Um, This is an area that has surgery done for even inpatients or outpatients, and the people working in that area are only working on the surgical patients. We're not having people travel through to the operating room then to other areas of the hospital um, the, every unit you're going to be in and every room you're going to be in are people that have been screened just like you've been and found to be healthy enough for this procedure. Really good point. The whole idea of geographic separation, trying to keep units COVID and non-COVID, you know, very important from an infection prevention standpoint. You really want to cohort patients with COVID into geographic units limit the staff that are having the exposure to them. So that is something we're doing in our facilities. And if after surgery you need to stay overnight, you will be in an area um, with your own private room. But every other patient in a private room will be screened like you were. This is a non-COVID area. Yep. Uh, same thing with the staff. They're only taking care of this group of patients. So uh, other than some of the things that you talked about, like the social distancing and the and the screening and the you know other safeguards we put in place. Tell me how this experience 
fundamentally is really all that different than it was pre-COVID? Yeah, I think we're just a lot more disciplined. Um, Everything we're talking about, we've always said we're doing. But there's such a high level of vigilance now that if you see somebody that hasn't washed their hands in the past, you know what? You may have been a little bit embarrassed to say, hey, please wash your hands. Mm -hmm. But now you'll tell somebody that and they'll say, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. Uh, If you don't have your mask on, people aren't going to push back at you because we know that's what we have to do to keep our patients safe. Um, our staff safe and ourselves safe. So I, I think it's a group collective effort. It really has been a catalyst for that kind of culture of safety. I see this, you know, I'm not doing surgery like you are, but I do see this within our hospitals. There's a lot more willingness to have those conversations on the spot. If you see someone that's not wearing their PPE yeah. properly, yeah, you're going to you're gonna educate that person on the spot. Yeah. I totally agree. And it's not look like you're punishing somebody right. or calling them out. You're helping them. You're helping yourself. And you're helping everybody around you. And I think it's just the whole culture shift now that we are – not that we've been through a battle or a war, but we've been through a tough time. Yeah. And I think there's a greater commitment now to work together to get back to where we need to be and to take care of our community at large. Let's talk for a second about some of the ancillary support things that a surgical patient might need. So you, you mentioned about if you do have to stay at the hospital overnight or for a couple of days – you know, we'll have you in a in a unit that's classified for caring for non-COVID patients and so on. But what about physical therapy? What about some of the other things that you might require? So for orthopedics, um, there could be a lot of therapy, especially if you're a joint replacement. Uh, mm-hmm. But our therapists are only taking care of the patients that just had surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, some people need walkers or canes or other devices, assistive devices. These are coming from um, our supply stock that has not been touched by anybody else. And same thing, the therapists that are prescribing this are taking care of only you and patients just like you. Yeah. Wearing all the necessary, um, wearing masks, you know, whatever other personal protective equipment they should wear, we have all that in place. Anything else that a patient should know? I mean, you, you mentioned visitors. So what if I, you know, what if there is someone that's very important to me that I want to make sure that they're getting the information from the physician, or I want to make sure that they're getting the discharge instructions. Do we have the mechanisms in place to share that? Yeah. At the end of the day, we have rules, but we also have common sense. Right. Uh, we are not going to send a patient out to the car with somebody waiting in the car. Right. Um, for spine surgery, for joint surgery, for almost any kind of surgery, it's important to follow the postoperative instructions. So your family member or friend or colleague will be with you before you leave the hospital. And we're going to make sure there's a clear communication, both verbally and in writing, so that everybody feels safe going home. Yep. I agree with that. I think another thing that we've talked about in other forums is leveraging the telecommunications that we have. So using iPads and using um, telehealth and in whatever mechanism we have. So if you're, for for whatever reason, if your people can't be there, we have that ability. Yeah. And I think one of the uh, the unexpected benefits of this is we have so greatly expanded our telehealth. Think about what used to happen after surgery when you had a problem. Two days later, we would say, well, just go to the emergency room. Right. Well, you know what? You're not going to go to the emergency room now afterwards if you have a problem. We're going to figure out a way we can see you on on an iPad, through our phone, or through our standard telehealth. And we're going to be able to one-on-one tell you what's going on 48 hours after surgery rather than just telling you to go to an emergency room. I agree. And I I could go off on a tangent for a long time about how cool it is to now be a part of telehealth and how... Many healthcare systems have tried to leverage this capability forever, and and we were able to do it in a matter of a couple of weeks. 
So yeah. that's a silver lining to me as far as all this is concerned. Yeah, for I mean, for not only the patients, but for the practitioners. You bet. Okay, good conversation. I want to kind of bring it on home. So let's let's recap some of what we talked about a little bit. So we talked about the controls that are in place in the office, the social distancing, the screening, the masking. We talked about the expectations for the patients when they come to the hospital, um, how we have sort of separation between COVID patients and patients that don't have COVID. Um, we talked about what the expectations might be after the surgical procedure. Is there anything else you want to add here? Yeah, I think the most important thing is we know this is a safe environment now. Yes. And what I really want to emphasize to the patients is if you've been waiting and you think you're getting worse, don't be afraid to come to the hospital. Yeah. Uh, we are prepared to take care of you, and we will take care of you safely. Well said. I think that's about all the information we have time for today. I want to thank our guest, Dr. Jeff Fishgrun. Jeff, thanks for your time today. Thank you for having me, Nick. I also want to remind our listeners that all this and more can be found at beaumont.org slash safe. And we also have your one-stop shop for all things coronavirus at beaumont.org slash coronavirus. We're also going to be doing a series of COVID-19-related podcasts with other subject matter experts on a number of topics, including things such as emergency care, obstetrics, and outpatient care as well. And I want to remind you to send along any questions or suggestions to our email, which is podcast at beaumont.org. I will leave you today with this healthy thought. COVID-19 has rocked our world, and it's completely understandable that many people have postponed or delayed their necessary surgeries and procedures because of concerns about the virus. But now, many are starting to realize that those postponed surgeries are more time-sensitive now than they may have been two months ago, and there may be unintended consequences like increased pain or discomfort. So we want to remind you that we are here for you, and we're ready to provide the safe care that you need to get back on track. If you've put off a scheduled surgery or procedure, call your doctor today to discuss scheduling your necessary procedures. We are here to help. Continue your journey to living a smarter, healthier life. Visit Beaumont.org slash podcast to access information and resources related to today's podcast.